Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast contains references to violence, domestic violence, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Australia on this day. My name's Michael Adams and today we're going back to Thursday the 23rd of July 1931. That was the day Australia was shocked by an Adelaide crime, not simply for its brutality, but also for the cold calculation with which it had been covered up. Although she lived in the country South Australian town of Gawler, Mary Malacha had the sort of look that would have made her seem right at home on the Hollywood screen in the late 1920s. With her dark eyes and black hair cut in a stylish bob, the 18-year-old couldn't help but catch the eye of a man named Lawrence Edson. He had a bit of the movie star aura about him too. A 27-year-old former police officer, now working as a tram conductor, he was handsome in a hawkish way, well-dressed and charming. Like Mary, he also had mesmerising dark eyes, so much so that his workmates called him Snake. It was a nickname that had proved fitting for other, more cold-blooded reasons. In the spring of 1928, Mary was working at Adelaide's Newmarket Hotel, where Lawrence wooed her and asked her to marry him. Mary's parents thought things were moving too fast. She'd only known Lawrence a couple of months, and besides, she'd just turned 18. Nevertheless, Mary said yes, and her parents gave their blessing because Lawrence seemed such a polite, quiet young man. Then, during their brief engagement, Mary was alerted to something that really gave her pause. This was a September 1928 newspaper notice that announced the divorce of a man named Lawrence Vincent Edson from his wife, Dorothy Sarah Edson. Mary asked her fiancé about this, and he explained that he had a cousin of the same name. Mary believed him, and they got married in February 1929. They moved into his neat brick bungalow in Lestrange Street in the Adelaide suburb of Knoxville. And in November that year, Mary gave birth to a daughter they named June. As the 1930s began, they seemed to be living a charmed life. Lawrence was a non-smoker and a non-drinker who was gainfully employed when so many men were now losing their jobs. Mary, meanwhile, was a good housekeeper and a devoted mother to young June. The couple were young, handsome and healthy, and whenever they visited Mary's family, they seemed very happy. It's doubtful that this was true even then. And even if it was, by the start of the following year, Lawrence had revealed his true nature as an angry, abusive and violent man. While domestic violence remains a scourge in modern-day Australia, it is now recognised as a criminal offence to be handled by the police and a social problem that has to be solved by governments, institutions and individuals. But 90 years ago, domestic violence wasn't considered much more than part of the normal order of male-female relationships. Generally speaking, women 
didn't report their abuse, men didn't think they were doing anything wrong, police were reluctant to intervene, and family, friends and neighbours thought it was none of their business. Yet, even by those pitiful standards, what Mary endured and how she was ignored beggars belief. One night in February 1931, Mary came to her next-door neighbours, Arthur and Grace Lindsay, and pleaded, quote, Save me, he's coming to murder me. A few minutes later, Lawrence arrived and tried to grab his wife, who was now near fainting with fear. Mr Lindsay told Mrs Lindsay to take Mary inside. One hand in a pocket, gangster style, Lawrence snarled, If any of you don't stand back, I'll put a bullet in you. I'll teach her to meddle in my affairs. The Lindsays took Mary into their house and they called the police. Lawrence continued to demand that Mary come out and come home with him. Mrs Lindsay told him that she would do no such thing until he calmed down. Then Lawrence uttered a chilling threat, quote, I'll give you five minutes to come out and if you don't, I'll finish the baby and finish myself. He stalked away and then Mary and the Lindsays heard a gunshot. Lawrence came back to the Lindsays' door and said, As soon as I see the police coming, I'm going to finish myself. Mr Lindsay demanded to know if little June was all right. Lawrence said she was unharmed and gave his, quote, word of honour as a gentleman that he would not hurt Mary if they returned her to him. So that's what the Lindsays did. When the police arrived, the attending constables were aware that Lawrence had been refused a pistol licence, so they searched his house. Finding nothing, they left, and they didn't appear to investigate the domestic violence at all. The next morning, Mary came back to Mrs Lindsay and showed her bruises. She said that Lawrence had chased her, thrown her to the floor, and choked her until she felt the breath go from her body. To Mrs Lindsay's mind, after that, the Edson household just returned to normal. So much so that when she saw Mary again, she said, quote, Next time he tries to murder you, don't come in here upsetting my household. Go somewhere else. Lawrence Edson had also been seeing other women, and this included 25-year-old Phyllis Edwards of Torrensville. He'd actually asked her to marry him, and she'd said yes, and they'd set a date in April. Then Phyllis heard that Lawrence was already married. He denied it and said that that woman he lived with, well, she was only his maid. He said if Phyllis didn't believe him, she should come to the house and ask her himself. Phyllis did that, and Mary was apparently so cowed that she played the role of maid to the brute who now wanted to marry another woman. By this time, Mary had also realised, of course, that Lawrence had lied about not being married previously. She sought out his first wife, Dorothy, and found that they'd had a son who was now nine. So Mary's baby, June, had a half-brother. She asked Dorothy why she divorced Lawrence. It can't have come as a huge surprise to learn he'd been violent, cruel, and unfaithful. At the end of April, neighbour Mrs Lindsay saw Mary again and saw how distressed she was. She asked, Has that brute been playing up with you again? Mrs Lindsay asked this because she'd seen Phyllis with Lawrence at the house. Mary said that he had, and she said that she thought her husband now had, quote, something dreadful on his mind. Mary Edson believed that Lawrence was going to murder her or have her murdered. After that, Mrs Lindsay 
didn't see Mary again. Around the 18th of May, Mrs Lindsay noticed that little baby June was crying and crying and that she was not being comforted by her mother. It was clear that Mary was no longer in the house and Mrs Lindsay thought this strange because while Mary had previously left her abusive husband for short periods, she had always taken the baby with her. Mrs Lindsay also now observed Lawrence burning things in the backyard and heaping vine cuttings in the outhouse. Then Phyllis turned up, wearing an engagement ring, and she and Lawrence took baby June to his parents' house. A few days later, Lawrence came over to Mrs Lindsay and apologised for the way he'd carried on in the past. He told her that Mary, his wife, had sadly moved to Melbourne and gotten a job there. Not long after that, though, he changed his story and said to Mrs Lindsay that Mary had run off to Melbourne with another man. Then Lawrence moved out of the house and moved in with Phyllis for a month, though they were yet to go through with their wedding. Towards late June, Lawrence moved back into the Lestrange Street house. Mrs Lindsay thought this might signal Mary's return, but it didn't. And now Lawrence told Mrs Lindsay that Mary's sister Dorothy had received a terrible letter from Melbourne. It had been written by the woman who'd been managing the boarding house where Mary had been living under an assumed name. Lawrence said that this letter had explained that Mary had been seeing another man and that they'd planned to go to Europe. Only she'd gotten sick and died on the 19th of June. Knowing that her end was near, she'd asked her landlord to take down this letter and send it to Dorothy, and had even enclosed her wedding ring and jewellery to return to Lawrence. Mrs Lindsay didn't believe Lawrence's story. She actually accused Lawrence of killing Mary, but he denied this, so she asked that Dorothy come to the house and tell her all about the letter herself. This suggestion, it just made Lawrence really agitated. The thing was though, Dorothy did receive such a letter, only she got it after Lawrence had told Mrs Lindsay this story. Finally, Mrs Lindsay had had enough. She contacted police with her concerns about Mary Edson. It wasn't until Monday the 20th of July that Detective Damon of the Adelaide CIB came to the Lestrange Street house. There, Lawrence gave him the letter that Dorothy had received from Mary's landlord. When he examined this letter, it contained numerous troubling details. One was that Mary had supposedly told the landlord not to include her address because she didn't want Lawrence making inquiries about what she'd done between leaving him and dying. Then there were passages that gave her blessing to him marrying someone else as soon as he could. Also really worrying was that Mary, supposedly on her deathbed, had suggested to Dorothy, who was a pretty 16-year-old girl, that she go and become a live-in maid for Lawrence, the man who'd abused her so badly. Most troubling of all, though, was that this letter had clearly been begun by one person and finished by another. A postscript explaining this change in handwriting, quote, My mother didn't have time to finish this letter, so I did it for her, only exacerbated the detective's doubts. On Wednesday the 22nd of July, police interviewed Lawrence again and asked him to voluntarily come to the city watch house for further questioning the following morning. 
Lawrence Edson turned up around 10.30am on this day in 1931 and was interrogated for three hours by Detectives Damon, Grow and Herman in an upstairs room. This interrogation done, the detective said they weren't satisfied with his answers and he was going to be detained while they dug up his yard because they believed he'd murdered and buried his wife. Lawrence said to them, quote, You are quite welcome to go out there. There is the house and the yard. Do whatever you like. While detectives did that, Lawrence was to be kept in the downstairs area of the city watch house. As the three detectives were walking with Lawrence down the stairs, he quickly pulled an automatic pistol from one of his pockets. There, on the stairs of the police watch house, he shot himself through the head. The exit wound sprayed Detective Herman with so much blood that at first his shocked colleagues thought he'd been shot. Lawrence Vincent Edson died a few hours later. And as he lay dying, police descended on his house. There, they cleared the outhouse of those vine clippings and dug up its concrete slab. They found Mary Edson's body buried in the nightclothes she'd been wearing when she'd been killed. She had head injuries and a pyjama coat was knotted around her neck. Mary had been buried with a blood-stained iron bar and bloody bedclothes, mat and pillows. An inquest determined that Lawrence had beaten her with this iron bar while she lay in bed and then strangled her on the floor. During the inquest, which also examined his death, it was revealed that that letter to Dorothy had been partially written by a 14-year-old schoolboy. Lawrence had induced this kid to do this task only for the boy to get suspicious and make an excuse not to finish writing the letter. Later, seeing Lawrence's photo in the paper, the boy contacted police. As to how Lawrence had died, it was found he'd killed himself with that pistol and that it hadn't been taken from him because as he wasn't officially under arrest, he hadn't been searched by detectives. The coroner recommended that this police procedure be changed. The inquest also learned that Lawrence had made his will the day before he killed himself and that he'd also penned a self-pitying apology letter to his parents in which he wrote, quote, I was mad when I did what, by the time you get this, you'll know all about. Mad? It's difficult to believe that this calculating and cowardly killer was anything but bad. I'm Michael Adams and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 